0: listen and subscribe to the growth craft startup community podcast on all the major podcast players including itunes google Podcasts, spotify and everywhere where podcasts are available and leave a five-star review if you like it we need those reviews to grow the show and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now so head on over to itunes head on over to google Podcasts or spotify and leave a five-star review for the growth craft startup community podcast And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. Hello, my name is Hazan Sorrells. This is Tom Living. And you are listening to the Growth Craft Podcast. The GrowthCraft podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast is committed to growing your connections to our GrowthCraft advisors, increasing your engagement with the GrowthCraft community, and to growing your knowledge about all of the benefits uh, that GrowthCraft can provide for your startup and for your entrepreneurial project along your entrepreneurial journey. And we can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Here on the podcast, we interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, their process, and their path. And like I said before, we interview them about their entrepreneurial journey. And I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Kevin Bernard. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm well today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what it
1: is that you do exactly. Well, I'm the co-founder, I'm a founder of Local Biochar and our business model is uh, centered around uh, manufacturing biochar kilns. Um, for those that don't know, uh, biochar is a charcoal-like substance. Uh, it has many great uses in being soil amendments for water retention and fertilizer retention uh, it filters out contaminants, uh, it's water, uh, mold and pest resistant. Um, so it works as a great aid uh, in those that are even just your uh, back farmer, uh, backyard growers and certainly farmers. So <clears throat> recognizing that the biochar industry was definitely going to begin to take off, I went and searched for a kiln. Uh, That was more at my scale of uh, the waste management that I do. And I couldn't find anything. Um, And I delved into looking into what it was going to take to develop my own kiln for my own needs and what I knew about uh, what had to be constructed. And I designed my own kiln. Uh, I came up with a design that's very unique for what's available in the market and uh, the kiln is more situated to a smaller producer of waste. And most everything that's being out there right now being designed and and uh, sold and manufactured is large facilities. And it's geared towards larger producers uh, for larger volumes. And they basis that on the only way to make money is to have large scale production of biochar. Um, I haven't really believed that. Um, and what I did was making sure I spent enough time in the design to literally focus on just a uh, smaller scale. And it's mobile and that's another feature that really is not addressed and uh, I make sure that it's something that can be towed behind a half ton truck, can go into many different places, and can give uh, versatility, I guess, to the many producers of waste. I'm all about sustainability. I'm very passionate about it, and I convey myself as being Uh, An answer in some ways to uh, waste management, especially organic waste management, and uh, it's very preventative to CO2 uh, emissions. Um, It's a very clean emission-free process, and uh, it's it's pretty simple to to get the basics on how to do it. And I help people learn how to use it and make their own biochar. And uh, that's something that really has been needed. And I'm very proud of what I've developed. And I think that there's a lot of interest out there and exactly what I got, excuse me. No, 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 So that was,
0: that was a great explanation. And thank you for, for sort of laying that out for us. Um, I have a follow-up question. If, if Tom will, will indulge me just a moment. Um, <laughs> so, I know, and I I imagine most of our listeners probably know little to nothing about waste management, about sustainability, about biochar, um, about these terms that you've laid out so beautifully for us here in your explanation of what is it that you do exactly. So could you bring us into the weeds a little bit? Tell me, tell us for our listeners, where does biochar and the use of biochar fit in the overall, and the only way I could maybe think of this question is supply chain, right? The overall yeah. supply chain of organic waste management. Sort of walk us through that for the average person who's just, you know, throwing away their banana peels in the garbage and taking stuff out to the to the street corner, right? Every yeah, exactly. I, I had a similar
2: question to that about like the difference between what you're talking about and like compost, right? Like so, so yeah, so in the supply chain, probably says that better than than what I was thinking. So, uh, I, I like that. Sure um in its simplest sense uh organic
1: waste uh is something that can be reproduced and find a, a a better end product and the real separator is the emissions even when it's in a compost pile still set off co2 um and methane in gases in different methane and in different gases correct and the only way to really uh, capture those emissions is to put it in a to a stable form and uh, basically finish the process of decomposition. And biochar is the easiest way to do that, and it produces a carbon, a solid carbon product, which is the end result of converting that biomass into a solid form that can be sequestered. Uh, that's the big piece of all of this, is to sequester those emissions. And it definitely affects the climate change in the fact that it's holding the CO2 in emissions. And it has many applications that can be used to store that carbon and uh, avoided emissions, such as, again, the soil amendments, they're doing a lot of work in cement, uh, as being a, a substitute binder and hemp a popular thing that's coming online with it. Asphalt is a very good, uh, included, um, product. And it's mostly because you don't really need to have high quality biochar products from it. And you can use marginal waste streams, uh, because it's just asphalt. It's not gonna leach. It's not gonna go anywhere uh, that's gonna be harmful to anything. And that's a lot of what's going on with the research is the biochar is literally a sustainable way to take care of many different waste streams. And the Mm -hmm. example that I'll give the most is the waste wood that is out there. Municipalities have mountains of waste wood in fire prevention, there's waste wood all throughout the forest, and that's become a hot topic to see if we could reduce the fire uh, fire risks. And you look at, let's talk about building construction. There's a lot of waste wood that comes out of the natural process of building houses or communi- uh, commercial buildings. By having a biochar kiln there, you can process all of that waste wood into a biochar that can be used on site in many ways to handle your stormwater retention and runoffs um, instead of throwing it in the dumpster. The whole part of everything that I do is to divert the waste from a landfill. And diversion is where I start in my passion of providing sustainability uh, options to people. Many people don't even consider that banana peel that got thrown into the trash. Um, But waste food waste is something else that can be processed into biochar. And it's really what's catching on with people in biochar is literally rethinking everything about what you touch and throw away and how you can address your packaging decisions. Uh, You know, many, many, many different things that people are starting to think about now that climate change is a a crisis and not just a, you know, fuzzy word. Um, So, you know, there's a a lot of different things that people can do uh, to offset some of that. And I'm just looking for ways to literally be able to take that waste out of their hands and make a, a, a renewable product. Um,
2: and it certainly has many uses and let's start doing it more. For sure. So you, you've mentioned a couple of things that that may have already answered this question, but I'd like you to articulate it a little bit more directly, which was like, so what what prompted this for you? How did you wake up one morning and just say, I got to go fix this problem. Like what 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 was there some you know epiphany that you had or was it like some, some sort of event that just catalyzed like like just propelled you to do this?
1: Well, I didn't just wake up some morning and say I want to tackle the world and let's make biochar for everybody. Uh But what I did was I started another business called Waste Recycling because anybody in the cannabis business absolutely had no answer for recycling of the materials. And let me tell you, it's a lot. So not being able to find ways to dispose of it because it's cannabis, I was pretty much forced into trying to find a way to deal with all the waste that I was collecting. I tried several different products and found nothing that really was applicable to it until I came across biochar and biochar was just like a light bulb going off and literally uh, started me on the path of, okay, start small, figure it out, grow to the next size, get better results and get consistency. And I came to the point where I needed enough volume or I needed more volume with the process that I was doing. So it came down to I just had this idea in my head, well, if I'm doing one barrel to make biochar, why can't I do four in a four by eight box? And I just kind of took the idea from there and started working out the math and talking to a couple of welders that might be able to fill in the blanks. And we came up with this design and uh, put it to work. And it's been working great. Uh, there certainly has been some failures as far as, uh, you know, needing different door designs or going back and looking at some of the internals for the working parts, because we're also at 1200 degrees. So there's a lot of heat stress that goes on and yeah, it definitely needs some, some change-ups. Um, but I stuck through it and now I've got a, a very good design that can, uh, literally start looking at commercially selling these units and I've lined up a manufacturer uh, to work with me on it. And um, I'm happy to say that I can fill a market niche because there's nothing else that really was available. And I'm answering a lot of questions for a lot of different people and have a lot of different interest in what it is that I'm doing.
2: So, so in other words, a very, a very, very eloquent way of putting that mother is still uh that necessity is still the mother of invention. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, so you, you had you had something pop up that there was no solution for in the market, you just created the solution yourself and now you can market that solution. That's brilliant right. to me. That that is literally the epitome of that necessity is the mother of, of invention.
0: Absolutely. I, I would have never I mean, so you know, my wife does gardening, has a compost pile, whatever, you know, like I've seen it in that sort of context, but I never thought about the industrialization of that process at scale. And so that just reveals my, um, my poverty of imagination. Um, you kind of answer the question about sort of why oh, you're so I'm, st- I'm
2: stealing that line. Poverty <laughs> of imagination. Poverty I'm of imagination. sorry. I, I've never heard that before, but I'm definitely using it. No, I'm sorry, you, but... I cut you off. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Good. You're
0: good. You're, you're good. Uh this is what I do. I just drop bombs like this and then I move <laughs> on. It's good. Um, so I I do a lot of carpentry, right? I'm gonna use myself as an example. Um, I also do a lot of um real estate development work, home building, that kind of stuff. And you're you're not kidding. Those sites ton of just, you know, wood, um, wood byproduct, just stuff just sitting around. And you're right. It all goes into a four ton dumpster. You take it, you, you get the roll off guy to come by. He takes it away. I don't know what happens to it after that. Okay. It's not really my, my concern. Right. Exactly. Talk to me about, <laughs> talk to me about, um, and I'm going to draw an avatar, right. For to, For this question. Right. Um, I'm the real estate developer. Um, I'm hiring, you know, the, um, the builder I'm hiring the dumpster roll-off guy, where do you fit in there for me and how do you get my attention? Right. Why should I bring you onto my site? Um, why should I have your kilns come on and solve my problem? Um, how do I get in touch with you? How do I work with you as the, um, as the end user, or even just a contributor, um, to, to biochar? And, and here's a sub-question, if I'm working with treated lumber, because that was another question I had, treated wood, right, that's got all the chemicals and all that kind of stuff in it, how does your process sort of navigate those um, those struggles? Because some of those chemicals are uh, are quite poisonous, actually. Join the Growth Craft Startup community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the GrowthCraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks.
1: Yes, they certainly are. Um, You know, specifically to start with that question, um, pyrolysis is the method that makes biochar and the method of being at 1200 degrees and recirculating those emissions burns off like 95 to 100 percent of the emissions and one of the things that they're doing now that i see in more than one place is they're doing railroad ties and to make biochar from and the reason that that's doable essentially is all the creosote and other different things that they do to uh you know long longevity for the wood it can process and not send the emissions into the air. And emissions is one thing that is the concern of certainly the large facilities, but it's something that can be addressed, uh, just in the method of pyrolysis. And, um, um, geez, I lost one. Oh, to building contractors, essentially, you, you know, carbon credits is a new thing. It's mm. coming online. Um, most people are now beginning to look at their carbon footprint. For a builder to market sustainability in green building is something that really is not even out there yet, and people will look at you like you're a Martian because it's green, you know. So, you know, I was talking to one the other day, and he said, you know, I that was something that I've been looking at for a long time, but had no idea how to implement it. He knows how to market it but he doesn't know how to get there with it and this was a simple answer it's a small trailer you put it off in the back corner of your job site and when you get wood waste that mounts up well you have somebody start processing it and the big thing is to throw it in the 55 gallon barrels that i use inside the kiln and when you got it filled up there you go but don't throw it in the dumpster and that's really what the passion with me is, is don't throw it in the dumpster. And, uh, yeah, it is all about redirecting behavior.
0: Um, yeah. You know, yeah. it's it, it, solving
2: a problem it. that they don't know they have. Right. Like you're you're right. trying to solve a problem. You're, you're solving a problem for a builder that the builder doesn't think of as a problem yet. Or maybe they don't know like they don't know of your solution because they didn't realize it was a problem. So that's like, that's probably another topic for another day because that's probably more closer to like, how do you market it? How do you get people to think of it? How do you create uh, you know uh, how do you create a movement behind what you're talking about? Cause to throw it in a dumpster and have it hauled away is the easiest version of this, right? The builder doesn't have to do anything. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, we all know it goes to the landfills. And landfills are probably one of the biggest polluters or leachers and damaging water in the air. For um, sure. You know, they put methane pipes in it for a reason, <laughs> you know, it's just so, venting it.
0: So that adds, so that leads me to another question, which I know Tom's got one as well. Um, and, and maybe, maybe our questions overlap here. Um, the landfills, right? So if I'm a landfill, um, you know, I, I presume you're looking for those kinds of connections and referrals and contacts and things like that. But, um, but are you, what, what's the pitch to a landfill? Right. Um, You know, is it, is it a sustainability pitch? Is it a carbon credit pitch? Like what's the approach if I'm the
1: owner of a landfill? Why would I want your solution? It probably don't because I'm taking waste away from them. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, the big thing with it is to talk to the creators of that waste right. and convince them a change in behavior is going to avoid it ever getting to a landfill. Yeah. Not to mention we're running out of landfill space in the whole country. Right. Why sure. are we shipping waste? <laughs> because we don't have any space for it. Yep.
2: You know. Well, and and- no one wants
0: a landfill in their own backyard. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, for sure.
2: I, I just wanted to circle back to a question that was part of Hasan's uh, question a few minutes ago. So does, does your system, is or is it okay for your system to put in that pressure-treated wood? Like, does it still process that pressure-treated wood? I, I don't think we quite answered that earlier. And to me, that's really keen, because just, just so you know, I led a charge of, uh, there was a, one of the uh, local state forests that I live right next to, uh, there's a group that was putting in footbridges. And I, I basically put a stop to it because they were using pressure-treated wood, and they were going over wetlands and all kinds of, Species that were being harmed, and like I, I was like, you got to get these footbridges out of here, or use something different. You could, you have some natural woods that are, that fight against, pe- uh, you know, pests and stuff like that. If you, I know it's more expensive, but if you use those woods, you don't have to worry about pressure treated. Anyway, back up, back to right. the question. So, does does your system actually handle the pressure treated woods, or do you not put those in there because of some reason or another?
1: What I'm doing is is basically some research on that to compare what a piece of pressure treated wood would be compared to a railroad tie. There's extensive work that's been done, uh, converting, uh, you know, the railroad ties and we know the results based on some emissions that were taken. It's a measure. It's basically a matter of a measurement of the emissions that have not been burned within the kiln itself in the design. And, uh, You know, that would certainly take a whole different effort for me to actually do the research and testing of it. One of the big factors of people that are producing biochar is you should only stick with one feedstock. You've got to perfect that feedstock because every feedstock in moisture content gives you a completely different result and a different profile of biochar because not all biochar is the same because not all feedstocks are the same. So I haven't particularly on uh, pressure treated wood found much research to that, but because of the railroad work, I'm confident that that's something that's coming online. The science just isn't available at this time. And, um, I'm pretty confident that most any weed or, uh, Waste stream is being addressed as best we can to get more research done. Well, I don't know if yeah, that answered your question, but yeah, um, no, it did, it
2: did. Yeah,
0: well, and it sounds like you know we're in the early stages um, of really sort of figuring out what's the best thing to do with the waste that we produce as human beings. How to best cycle that back into the system, um, and it doesn't surprise me that we're doing this in the United States of America. Um, because typically what happens with technological innovations of any kind, um, you even see this in in phones, right? Um, you know, the first person on the block to have a flip phone has a flip phone that's, you know, $5,000. <laughs> Nobody else has a, a $5,000 flip phone, but because the richest person on the block has a $5,000 flip phone, over the course of 10 years, that flip phone now goes from $5,000 to you know, a hundred dollars, and now all of a sudden, everybody in a ten-block radius has one, right? It's the same thing with with what it, so- it sounds like. It's the same thing happening here um, with uh, with the biochar process and with what you've developed. You know, you're starting out at the high end of the market in in a high end sort of environment like the United States, where carbon credits are set up, sustainability is a thing, and now we're we're gonna we gotta sort of explore some of these other areas and move this out over over the course of time. Um and this sounds like a lifetime a lifetime pursuit. Would I be correct
1: on that Kevin? The passion's is still there. <laughs> Sustainability is still a major part of me, so yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um so let's um let's turn the corner just a little bit and I'm going to ask you about your experiences with growth craft. So Talk to me about being a part of the GrowthCraft community, or talk to us about being part of the GrowthCraft community. What attracted you to uh, to joining us at GrowthCraft, and, and how are you how are you leveraging the resources of the GrowthCraft community to help you um, build your build your project out? Join us online via Zoom at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum each third Tuesday of the month at four thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Look, advisors and founders, we're we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to to the 3rd Tuesday events on the GrowthCraft website and join us at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum. In the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now.
1: JP has been in contact with me and I I love the guy for what he's doing um and what he's built I find to be an endless source of resources. Um you guys have really good tools to literally help founders and, uh, small businesses overcome some overwhelming odds and just direction to answer some odds. So we don't necessarily get off track and, and get lost in the minutia of everything that goes on every day. Um, and I really appreciate what I, uh, get from growth path, uh, Not so much just direct, but just in being able to discuss things and be able to interact with other founders and, you know, compare what they've gone through to what I'm going through. And certainly the experience from everybody that's a part of GrowthCraft. And that's really a huge amount of value, uh, especially when talking to the people that are making GrowthCraft happen and um you know i i just i just can't say enough i guess about what what is given uh if you put the energy in you do have to put the energy in um but you know you're really putting the energy out no matter whether you're following some of the input no matter what so you might as well talk to somebody that has walked the walk already um And that's, that's one of the biggest benefits I can, I can say
2: is, you know,
1: experience helps all. Sure.
2: Sure. So uh, wrapping up here, Kevin. So let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, or give you a half a second or so to talk about, like, how do people find you if they want to learn more about this? uh, How do they like, is it something that you're looking to uh you know you know to like are you doing talks or are you you on other podcasts like where where do people find you or find out more about this
1: well this is the first podcast i've done um
2: oh we're all see how awesome we are (laughs) (laughs) um
1: you know i i definitely have a couple other people that are reaching out to me to do podcasts because they're absolutely hearing the message that i have um and you know i guess i'm less intimidated to do it um, i guess that i would say that my passion comes through in how it can contribute um, i have a website that's under development um, and one of the barriers there is i'm not tech savvy um, and you know i'm just beginning to to get somebody on board to literally take what i have for for info and put it in a professional way to to present. Um, The biggest way that I reach out to people and have people reach me is on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a pretty robust following and uh, I I generally am interactive there. Um, I did work with Instagram. Uh, That was mostly about some of uh, the cannabis people. That's really all they use is Instagram. Um, but essentially, uh, it's, it's just, uh, me reaching out to people that are, are, uh, collaborative, uh, I guess is a good word. And I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, uh, people want to stay in touch with me and, and keep, keep themselves attuned to what's going on. Um. You know, and my email is Kevin at local Um, I'll always answer any emails that I get. Um, And I like talking about biochar. Um, So education is not a problem. Um, I'm a pretty open person. And, uh, you know, I'll probably have an answer. And if I don't, I'll know where to go get it. Awesome. We
0: will... Well, we will have links to all the places where you can find Kevin, including his email address, in the show notes below the player where you're listening to this podcast uh, right now. Uh, So I want to thank Kevin for coming on the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast today. Always a pleasure. Um, Please reach out to him um, to find out more, not only about Biochar, um, but also about all of his sustainability efforts. Uh, thank you very much, Kevin, for coming on the podcast today. I really do we really do appreciate it.
2: Certainly. Thank you for
0: having me.
1: Very much. Each second
0: Thursday at 3 30 p.m. Eastern Time, join Growth Crab live and in person at second Thursdays at CIC, located at One Broadway, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, Growthcraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face to face. Join us for an informal, social, and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. And thanks.